Welcome to the Music Money and Life podcast. Music Money and Life is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. For a free four-hour audio video course all about how to make money licensing your music in TV, films, ads, and more, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today. Now, let's get to today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Music Money and Life podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Peter Harvey, and Peter is the CEO of a company called RoyFi that provides financing for artists. So, Peter, what I thought we would do is if you could explain a little bit about yourself and your background and how RoyFi works. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, so RoyFi is a, is a financial technology company. And what that really means is that we blend technology with with finance and, uh, you know, for the sole purpose of bringing money into the market for uh, creatives and rights holders in the music industry. It's uh, it's one area of the economy that traditionally doesn't have all of the services that are available to other parts of the of the economy. So you think about small businesses, you know, they can go to their local bank and get the resources that they need. But uh, unfortunately, songwriters and performing artists and other rights holders uh, don't have that luxury. So that's what we're trying to solve. Yeah, absolutely. No, I looked at the website and it looks like a great concept. What I'm wondering, I mean, it looks fantastic. Who is the ideal artist? Like how established do you need to be career-wise to potentially work with a company like RoyFi? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So we we generally say that you know if you're earning about twenty five hundred dollars a year in royalties and you've been doing that for for over a year, um, you know we can work together at, at some level. Um, you know, our ideal client has you know anywhere from from eighteen months to to thirty six months worth of earnings history, um, and and really that's. Uh, because we need a base level of, of earnings and, and past earnings, um, you know, to, to really make an, an informed analysis um, and be able to provide uh, the, the money that the, the artists need. Um, and sure. the, the, other, the other component of that is also, you know, if, if you don't have any following and you don't have, you know, you're getting a couple hundred streams a month, um, you know, chances are having a little bit more resources is not going to materially change. You still need to have the the art side of it figured out and and have at least the the, the early stages of that you know kind of grassroots movement of fandom, um, and then the the ability to invest in yourself and put together a marketing budget um, will go a lot further. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. But I mean, it seems like financing or the the lack thereof is a huge factor in terms of holding artists back. So $2,500 per year is sort of a, a minimum base in terms of what you're looking for. So where does this money coming from? Are we talking about streaming, YouTube, Spotify? What are you guys looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're really looking at two different earning sources. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are a couple others that we also look at, but the two main ones are your distribution earnings. So whether you're at TuneCore or, you know, one of our partners like Beatroot, 
um, or your your publishing earnings that you're you know receiving through um, either your publisher or uh, you know ASCAP or BMI. Those are really the the main sources that that we look at. Um, now we'll also look at your sound exchange and if you have your own YouTube channel if, you're, if you've gone direct, you know we can also look at that. But you know generally speaking, um, the majority of of artists and songwriter earnings come through those two you know primary channels. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. What kind of deals do you typically offer artists? Let's say it's an artist that's that's at this sort of like they meet the minimum threshold. They're making, let's say, two to four thousand dollars a year in royalties from ASCAP, for example. What kind of deals would you typically offer an artist in that position? Yeah, so absolutely. We, you know, our, our our standard deal is is really a non-standard deal, right? It's what what works best for the artist. Um, and what do they need? Um, so if, a, if an artist is making, you know, say $4,000 a year and they say, hey, I need $1,500, you know, to, to just master my, my latest work, um, yeah. you know, then we're not going to obviously going to, you know, we're obviously not going to come in and say, hey, well, we'll give you $10,000 because they don't need $10,000. They need $1,500. Right. Um, so what we're looking at there is, you know, maybe we're doing one quarter or two quarters worth of earnings. Um, which is, you know, materially different, you know, uh, structure than say two years worth of earnings. Um, and what we'll do is, you know, let's just, let's just use the, the two quarters worth of earnings. Um, we'll say that that's about, you know, $2,000. Um, we'll then say, okay, we'll give you, you know, the 1500 that you want. And um, our fee is going to be, you know, uh, say 6% of, of uh, the, the total amount. So um, you're talking about, you know, maybe $120 is going to be our fee. Um, so you're, you're looking at getting a hundred or sorry, $1,500, you know, our fee is going to be 120, which means that we're going to collect the next $1,620. That's at, you know, $1,621. 100% mm-hmm. of the earnings go back to the artist. We're completely out of the deal. We have no residual ownership. Um, and, and, you know, from that perspective, it, it is really just a fee for fee for money, right? Money has a cost. You know, if you go to a bank, there's an interest rate. Sure. Whereas you come to us because we're not doing a loan where what we're using is a, a model that, you know, uh, is really well known in the rest of the world and in business called factoring. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're just saying, okay, well, we're going to buy the next, uh, in the same example that I just gave you, the next uh, $1,620, we're going to buy it for $1,500 today. We're going to give you $1,500. We're going to collect the next $1,620. Um, and, and that's it's really that simple. Now, the, the there's a little bit more complexity in it when we go out to maybe two years and all of a sudden, you know, the, the deal changes a little bit. First of all, you know, obviously, if, if the money's going to be, it's going to take us longer to recoup. It costs more you know, our fee is going to be higher on a percentage basis um, just because, you know, we, you know, that, that's, uh, that's just how, how we have to fund things. Um, there's, sure. there's more risk involved going out further. There's more uncertainty. And then also, you know, we have to, uh, we have to take into account the, the overall economics um, on our side, but from a, from a structural perspective, it's the exact same. So none of our deals will ever be for rights. So we're never acquiring rights to the catalog. Um and we're also never collateralizing the catalog um, in a loan structure. So, you know, all of that is, you know, finance mumbo jumbo, right? What does it mean? It means that Roy Fine never has the ability to foreclose on your catalog and take your rights away from you. 
all that we've done is a very simple transaction where you know upfront exactly how much we're going to collect. One little wrinkle to that is if we do a two-year deal and all of a sudden you have some great success and your catalog is paying the advance back at an accelerated rate faster than we expected it to recoup and say, you know, let's just say it paid back twice as fast. So all of a sudden you take what we anticipate to be a two-year advance and you pay it off in one year. Well, we Mm -hmm. actually bake in options for you that allow you to you know, repurchase the the future cash flows, which is is what we've done in the first place for a discounted price. Um, and, and the reason for that is obviously you de-risked us. Your performance has materially outperformed what we expected, and therefore we're reducing our price because you know you've you've uh, you've over fulfilled your end of the bargain um, relative to to what our expectations were and. You know, that is something that we we kind of took from uh, the loan world, and and we said, mm-hmm. okay, how can we, how you know, if you take a ten thousand dollar loan out, um, and you're paying down, you're, you're paying down over, uh, you know, actually, let's just say it's a ten thousand dollar mortgage. So you you make your monthly mortgage payments is over thirty years, and then all of a sudden you decide, you know what, I got a big raise, I want to pay off my mortgage. Well, you're not going to then pay interest for the residual. Uh, of the of the mortgage or the the, the years beyond that um, when you pay back, and we kind of look at it the exact same way. Is you know if you pay us off, we we now no longer have any risk, and we're very happy to resell you all of uh, all of your right to the future cash flows that we had previously purchased for a, for a reduced price because honestly, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, no, that makes com- complete sense. So in other words, artists the quicker they pay back the loan. They're essentially re- rewarded for paying off the, the loan faster than initially expected. With one caveat is that these aren't actually loans. Um, and, that's, and that's really important from, from a structural and regulatory perspective. Um, so, so we don't actually make loans. But uh, if you think about it in the terms of loans, yes, you, you're not paying interest after you've paid off uh, your loan. Just like if you uh, repurchase an advance from RoyFi, you're not going to have to pay uh, the portion of the fee that would have been allocated to the, the time um, that you know took place after you repurchased it. Okay, and can you clarify what you mean by that? It's not a loan; it's an advance. What is the what is the difference exactly between those two terms? Yeah, so so a loan has a, a security interest in the asset or a okay. personal guarantee, right? So either Either, you know, if, if I were to give you a loan on your catalog and I was going to say, okay, well, this is going to be fully backed by your catalog. And then all of a sudden your earnings drop off significantly and you go into default. What I can do as your lender, if I were, if Roy, if I was lending would be foreclose on your catalog and then I own your rights. Mm, I see. Okay. With an advance, our risk so basically, RoyFi does not have that security. We have no way of ever, you know, suing you for uh, underperformance or taking your uh, catalog for underperformance. Um, what we're very simply doing is saying, "Hey, we think it's going to pay this over the next two years, and we're going to buy what we think is going to be, you know, the, the two years of future earnings. We're going to buy it off of you today." And obviously, there's going to be a difference between you know the total amount that it. Uh, it earns or what we expect it to earn over those two years 
um, and what we pay for it today. And th those are our economics. So we don't have interest in, that's compounding and increasing your balance. Um, so I, it, it looks and feels in a sense like a loan, but structurally it's far safer for the rights owner um, to, to do it this way because they don't ever have that risk of, of losing their assets. Okay. And what happens on your end if potentially, let's say an artist signs up with you and they have, let's say, three years of history of earning royalties through ASCAP and streaming, and then they you give them an, an advance and for whatever reason, they just stop performing. What happens in that case? That's our risk, right? So yeah. we, we have no recourse uh, or you know, any legal recourse against the artist. So, you know, what that generally means, and, you know, if you're a rights holder, you know this, that, it, you know, generally speaking, if you're honest, your earnings are never going to just go from $500 a month to zero right. and then be done. They're going to go from $500 a month to, you know, 450 to 400 to 300. And then they'll, you know, normally uh, steady out at a lower, lower basis. Um, yeah. And what, what what happens in that scenario is instead of us taking two two years to recoup, which is you know what we had expected, we fundamentally got that advance wrong. But you know it may take four years for that advance to recoup. Um, but it's still you know our price is never going to increase. The amount the total amount that we're recouping is never going to increase. It just right. is going to take us longer, and that's a hundred percent Royfi's risk. Um, so there's there's no uh, no situation where um, that really penalizes the artist uh, from a financial perspective. Got you. And what is the what is the application process like for for artists? I know I looked on your website. I know that um, this has nothing to do with your credit history. For example, you're you're purely basing your decision based on previous history in terms of what artists are earning, correct? Uh, so the, it's a it's a really high weighting to historical earnings, but we also do uh, some forward analysis as well. So we take a look at what uh, your channels are doing. Um, we, we take a look at your overall following and um, mm. we wrap that all up into our underwrite to make our projection going forward. So obviously if you have, uh, you know, uh, $100,000 a year in earnings, for the last two years, but you only have, you know, 150 Instagram and Spotify list, uh, followers, you know, we know something's up there, right? You know, it might be a situation where, um, you know, those earnings are not necessarily uh, authentic. Um, they, they may be uh, altered in some way. Um, mm. But the way that you come to, that you can come to, to RoyFi is, is very simple. Go to our, our website. We've got a button that says apply there. Um, it'll ask you to, uh, to, you know, formally request the advance. Um, and that puts you into, into kind of our platform where we collect all the data that we need uh, in order to uh, to make the analysis and provide you with your advance offer. Um, and depending on how fast uh, we get the, the data that we need and depending on who is paying your royalties and, and when they accept a letter of direction, um, you know, we can get advances done anywhere from uh, a day to a week or two, um, you know, to longer, depending on if, if your, uh, your royalty organization takes a, takes a while to process paperwork. Gotcha. Okay. I have a, a couple follow-up questions. Um, the first one is how do artists receive the funds? Is this a direct deposit? Is this a PayPal transfer? How does that work? Yeah. And so for, for, uh, us based artists, 
um, you know, it's a, it's a direct ACH into their account. Um, yeah. and then for, for international artists, uh, we have, we have a number of different options. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the preferred one being a, you know, a wire directly into their account. Okay. And in terms of artists paying back the advance, how do you, are you collecting information in terms of royalties they're receiving? Do you have access to, let's say ASCAP and BMI statements, for example, how, or how does that happen? Yeah, that? absolutely. So, so one of the, the fundamental uh, reasons for why we're able to do advances um, the way that we do and at the prices that we do is because we're not taking artist credit risk. So you mentioned we don't look at your credit score and that's because the artist isn't paying us back. So what we'll do is when we do an advance, we will have the artist put a letter of direction in place where ASCAP or BMI will pay us off directly um, you know, while there's an outstanding advance. And then once that advance has been fully recouped, uh, all of the earnings revert back to the artist. Okay, got you. Um, so there was one other thing that you mentioned that was kind of interesting to me. You said like if someone hypothetically is, is earning, let's say $100,000 a year from... I don't know if you were referring to sync licensing, perhaps, but they don't have a big Instagram following. You said, hey, maybe something's kind of up with the numbers. It doesn't quite jive. How, how does that work in terms of how much importance are you putting on a social media following versus an income source like sync licensing, which in my mind are two pretty different things, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I guess in that reference, I, I was more so making reference to a performing, a performing artist. Um, okay. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at a performing artist who is uh, inherently fan focused and generating, you know, obviously the, the majority of their income, whether it be through, through streaming or through touring uh, by having a following and having people that consume their art. Um, gotcha. You know, a, a major disconnect between the the two uh, is a little bit puzzling. Now that is completely different for a songwriter. Um, you know that that may be a little bit more behind the scenes. You know somebody who's who's maybe chosen a, a life of of songwriting. Um, you know rather than performing. Um, but you know these, those are just kind of some of the examples of of what uh, you know what we look for and, and what our algorithms ingest. Um, in order to, to make these offers. And, and, you know, frankly, what it, what we're really, really looking for and, and spending a lot of time on is uh, obviously streaming fraud. That's a, that's a huge risk to, to our entire industry and, and really the entire music industry as a whole. And, you know, so that's where a lot of our technology is focused because, you know, obviously if you're paying somebody to stream your, uh, your songs, um, you know, those earnings are only going to persist for as long as you're paying that person to stream your songs, it's not because you have a great fan base that that's loyal and that you're on a bunch of playlists. It's, it's that you're transactional um, with, with yeah. somebody. And um, well, beyond, beyond the legality of it um, it's, it's not very repeatable unless you keep paying them. Yeah. Can you, t can you, can we dive a little bit more into that? Um, what types of services are out there like what are people doing exactly in in terms of sort of gaming spotify that you're aware of oh yeah i mean you can you know we can get super technical here so um at any point in time uh you want me to back off and land something just just stop me but uh you know with spotify you can create uh, a number of different accounts and i i think that there was a tiktok going around in the last couple of weeks 
uh, that was talking about how you can record your own 30 second song, uh, set it on loop and just play it yourself through your own Spotify account uh, hmm. nonstop. And that hmm. would earn you on the, on a market share model or on the market share model that uh, Spotify uses, it would earn you about $1,200 a month. Um, so if that's one account, you can imagine the incentive for somebody to, you know, maybe spin up a thousand accounts or 10,000 accounts and yeah. do something very similar. That's um, wild. And, you know, I, I will say that, you know, it, it's crazy that it happens and, you know, it's outright fraud and it's against, not only is it against the, the terms of service, but uh, if you do a, a, a transaction, um, you know, take an advance, whether it's from RoyFi or, or anybody else in the market to it, including a label and it, it comes out, you know, that's, that's wire fraud. So we're not talking about, uh, you know, uh, something that's, that's light here and, and harmless. Um, but the good news is, is it's pretty easy to detect, um, okay. that, that level of fraud. Um, and that's what we've, we've uh, been looking at a lot. Um, and, and honestly, it's, it's really our, the first thing that we do is we stream where we screen for fraud. And, and that's a, that's a binary outcome. It's either, you know, it's there and, and, and we're concerned in which case we're not doing an advance, um, or it's not so we can move forward with our process. Can you repeat yeah. that, Peter? You, you dropped out for one second. You, you said the leader in the industry in terms of detecting fraud is who? Yep. Okay. Uh, the leader in the industry with regard to detecting fraud is a company called BeatDap. So if you're interested in going into a bit more of a deep dive on, on fraud and, and what's being done to uh, to fight against it in the industry, I would I would give Andrew and uh, Morgan over at BeatDap a call and, uh, and have them on. And I'm sorry, how do you spell that? Beat DAP? D A P? Beat DAP? B E A T? Mm hmm. D A P P. P P. Okay. Excellent. Um, no, that's an interesting topic in, in and of itself. Um, okay. So, my next question for you, Peter, and by the way, I think this is a fantastic, like, I love the idea of what you're doing, but. What I'm curious on your end, because I believe I read on your website that you're not a musician. Is that correct? Correct. So what motivated you to get into this industry? So I am not a musician. I have absolutely no uh, musical or really artistic talent um, to speak of. Um, yeah. I think the only person that that's ever enjoyed any art that I've created has probably been my mother. And uh, I think that she's uh you know legally obligated to uh to say <laughs> nice things um, right so my, my background is in finance i you know, okay. started off at a hedge fund went to work at a, a large family office and then most recently before starting royfi i was running about 30 billion dollars of institutional money for uh, various pensions endowments foundations um university operating funds and i actually started looking into intellectual property investing uh, probably in 2017 is when I started and I actually started off in the healthcare space. And, you know, this is going to probably bore your, your listeners to death, but I'll, I'll make it very succinct um, okay. and say that healthcare royalties for in-market therapeutics. So think about, you know, uh, prescription drugs that are, that are in market to uh, treat various uh, illnesses and ailments uh, actually look and act a lot like uh, music royalties. Um, and, and the reason being, you have uh, generally the the beginning of that therapy starts at a university with a, a, a research scientist 
they generate a, a certain level of efficacy from you know early testing and then they say okay i'm going to go market this to a pfizer to a merck to an amgen and right. uh those pharmaceutical companies buy the the royal or buy the, the intellectual property uh for that therapeutic and the uh research scientist that created it gets a royalty um once it goes through the fda process and is being distributed you know, kind of sounds a lot like an independent artist uh you know generating some success and then doing a label deal and selling their rights to a label and then receiving royalties right um yeah with a few different exceptions uh, you know first of all music has life plus 70 is the duration, right whereas patent law is about 15 years um so there's there's a very material difference there and uh the cost to distribute uh music and the cost to distribute pharmaceuticals are, are very different music being significantly lower so I found this really great opportunity in pharmaceuticals and that effectively uh, evaporated when others found the market, similar to how music is, is kind of being a found asset classes, you know, probably about four years behind pharmaceuticals. Um, so I said, okay, well, pharmaceuticals, you know, that, that ship has sailed. Um, I love music. I'm, I'm a consumer of music. Like I said, I'm not a producer of music. Um, and I really wanted to get more involved in actually affecting people's lives, uh, not just tangentially affecting people's lives uh, through, you know, the retirement savings. I said, okay, well, you know, I really like music. I really like the dynamics in the market. I understand the risk associated. And when I look at who's providing capital to artists and rights holders in the industry, um, you know, it doesn't make sense how, how much they're, they're charging people. So, yeah. you know, if I understand the risk and I understand, uh, you know, what other people are being charged, and I think there's a major or major disconnect between those two, you know, that that's another way of saying that there's a really big opportunity to come in here and actually put something that uh, will help people's careers move forward, you know, into the market. And that's that's really the founding principle of, of RoyFi. You know, other people in, in the industry that are providing capital to artists or providing money to artists they're charging them like 50% and 60%. And that just is yeah. not, that doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's really, you know, there, there's still a payday lender industry for successful artists. And, and that, you know, again, it just doesn't make sense. And that's, that's really what we're trying to disrupt here. Uh, no, that that's awesome. I think you're providing a, a fantastic uh, service. When did you found RoyFi? How long have you guys been in business? Yeah, so we're about two and a half years old, founded in early uh, 2021, um, but we started working on the company uh, in, in early 2020. So we kind of did a, a year of behind the scenes work, um, you know, proving out the concept, building the the business, the the back end of the business and uh, and raising money for the business. And then we went live um, in uh, the second quarter of 2021. Got you. And how many artists? more or less are you working with? Yeah. So we we're working with hundreds of artists at this time, yeah. you know, uh, over seven figures of advances out the door. And, you know, what, what's really gratifying is the, the success stories that we have, which, you know, to a T are, uh, you know, pretty incredible. And we've got artists that we started working with in, in 2021 that have, uh, more than tripled their earnings. You know, I think yeah. we had an artist come through, uh, recently, um, that was now earning, on a monthly basis, the amount that we advanced them on a two-year advance, you know, a year and a half ago. That's pretty well, cool. 
Yeah, no, that, it, it's amazing. I, I mean, I think it's so important because as I'm sure you're aware in the music industry and especially in the context of sync licensing, which is what I focus on on this podcast primarily, there's such a lag time in terms of when you get paid that it's really hard to maintain cash flow as an artist. You know, if you're waiting six, nine, 12 months out to get paid for places your music has been used. So I can see using a service like yours, you know, could really fill in that gap. Absolutely. And, you know, if you have a, a sync contract that, that's been executed and fulfilled, um, but you have to wait, you know, six to nine months for, for those earnings, you know, the, the easiest way, you know, is to come to, to us and say, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to get this money today because I, I need to keep putting out more work. Um, and, and that's something that we can, we can absolutely do. And we can absolutely help with, um, you think about, you know, that, uh, in the context of music, it's like, okay, well that, you know, that's a new, uh, a new thing for the industry. You know, all of a sudden I can walk in with a contract and, and get paid. Whereas the rest of the world, the rest of the business world, it, it's, that's commonplace. Um, you yeah. just, you say, Hey, I've got this, I've got this purchase order. Um, I need to fulfill it and, and I need the capital to do it. But can I, yeah. you know, can I get that money from you? And everybody, every bank in America will say, absolutely. Why do you think it's taken so long for the music industry to, to catch up with all the other industries? Because like, as you're explaining this to me, this seems like such a, a straightforward, obvious business model. Well, I, you know, I think there's a, a number of different reasons. I mean, first and foremost, it's, you know, you're, you're in a, an intellectual property industry, right? So intellectual property is, is a little bit different than, than real assets. So thinking, yeah. you know, selling, you know, streaming, you know, selling your rights or, or rather licensing your rights to a company to distribute music. Somebody streams it and then all of a sudden that earns a royalty. It, that's different than, you know, having a store down the street and selling, you know, widgets um, and, you know, or having a restaurant and selling, uh, you know, selling food. It, it just, it's slightly different and it's just enough different that most banks are like, we don't understand that. And mm -hmm. is it big enough for us to spend the time to understand that? You know, yeah. so far, uh, most of the banks have said, you know, it's not worth it to us until you're earning a million dollars a year. Once you're earning a million dollars a year, you know, you yeah. can walk into they, any one of the banks in Nashville and they will say, hey, we're happy to help you. We've got a whole private wealth division that, that can do this for you. But traditionally, you didn't have as good a data either. So when you think about, right. you know, the days of record sales and delivering products to, uh, you know, to, to any number of store, um, and then all of a sudden you've got, okay, you've got the, the inventory that didn't sell that gets, gets returned. You know, that, that model that was present in the industry for a long period of time was not actually conducive to, uh, to this type of a model, um, yeah. you know, or a business model, but streaming on the other hand is a complete game changer. Not only do you have the data, uh, to make informed decisions, but you've also fundamentally changed the the payment cycle and, and the movement of cash around the world uh, with regard to, to music and music royalties. And, and that's why I think you know, you're seeing more uh, interest from traditional investment channels into the yeah. music industry. I love it. Um, I have just a few minutes left and we can wrap up um, one final question for you. But first, before I ask you the, the last question, so the, the company is Royfi 
Um, yep. Royfi.com is your website, correct? R-O-Y-F-I.com. So for people listening to this, if you're interested in learning more about Royfi, potentially applying for an advance, go to Royfi.com. So my last uh, really quick question for you, Peter, and then we'll wrap up. When you... When you're doing these advances, do you offer any sort of assistance in terms of how the money should be used, or is that completely left left up to the artist? Because as I'm sure you know, musicians historically are not the best at at managing money and and finance. Is there any sort of um, assistance you offer in terms of effectively using the advance money? Yeah, absolutely. So you know the. The way that RoyFi works is we look at ourselves as the advanced provider, right? So we're we're doing the transaction. We don't have other services that you know label services side or uh, you know a marketing team for artists. You know our our core business model and what we do is we analyze various advances and we provide artists with the the capital in the form of advances. Now, what we do on top of that, though, is we've curated a group of partners that we believe are uh, positive actors and are good actors in the industry that have really great products that can help move uh, careers forward. And we say, okay, here are favorable terms under which you can partner with these uh, these partners. We give uh, we give access to all of our clients, um, and you know we've got a couple that we've we've just announced. Um, you know, one of those is Foundy, which is a digital marketing platform uh, owned by Downtown Music. And what you know, that's a place where you can go and, and buy banner ads on uh, various websites at significant discounts to to retail. And, and why is that important? Well, if you know what your audience is and you want to get in front of them before your tour, you know, it's really good to you know throw some banner ads up in front of them so that they come out to your to your show. Um, what we do there is you know. Uh, we take any economics that would otherwise come back to RoyFi as a result of referring artists to Foundy, and we put those uh, those uh, revenue shares into uh, the artist's advance balance. And we say, okay, this is another stream of income that you know helps to to pay uh, pay back your advance. Um, and we've also got a partnership with with Primary Financial and the independent uh, wealth managers. Um, where we're doing financial literacy uh, for, for artists, because obviously that's a huge need in the industry. Um, yeah. So the, the short answer of your question is we don't require anybody to, to do one thing or another with their, uh, their advanced proceeds, but we try to encourage, um, you know, them using the, the advance constructively and, and putting it back into their career so that they can uh, generate a return on it. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, Peter, thank you so much for doing this. I think it's a, fan, a fantastic service, what you're doing. Uh, I think it's really important for artists to be aware of. And I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you, Aaron. It's been a pleasure.